Underground. You're listening to the Poetcast Project, Episode 2. Hello, hello, and thrice hello. If you're hearing this, it means we've survived to the second episode of the Poetcast Project, bringing you the good, the bad, and the ugly, myself included, of course, of what deep underground poetry has to offer. I'm Missy Demina, and as usual, we have with us today the eighth wonder of the world, that is Eamon Soze, and the American legend, that is Daniel Christensen. If you'd like to join in on the shenanigans, you can make an account by visiting deepundergroundpoetry.com and clicking the sign-up link to gain access to a wealth of poetry, interactive forums, groups, writing competitions, and a vast pool of knowledge from a varied scope of writers. Eamon, what's coming up on Legends today? I hear you've got a real treat for us. Coming up um, in a little bit later on, I'll be getting up close and personal with member Anna Green. Uh, you don't want to miss that. But before that, Daniel, I believe you have something fairly special too on the way. I took a close and personal look at a uh, piece by Revolution Al that I think uh, is going to be both uh, informative and uh, touching to people. Touch me. <laughs> <laughs> you just told me that I shouldn't. You really touched me that time, man. Uh, I got the t-shirt. I got touched by Daniel Christensen. And all you got was this lousy podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note... Tea with a winner with Missy Demina. Alone. I have been unhappy for so long that I wonder if there's any happiness left in the world. For me. When you were 16 and they told you that your life was just beginning. That if you ended it now, you'd be drawing the curtain on a show full of riches, excitement and life. You knew they were lying, of course. But probably not meaning to. The stitches come undone. The methadone of food, TV, a little music here and there. And the illusion of companionship is growing dull until it is only ineffective. I am here for you, my son, said the fictional god, and I listened as best as I could for a while. Brave words there. So joining us today on the Poetcast Project on our Tea with a Winner feature from Deepest Darkest England is the silly Sybil, who has happily agreed to discuss his winning poem, Alone, that was nominated by Ahavati back in July 2017. Jack, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. It's a Sunday. I've got the day off work, spent most of it in bed. So Sounds like a plan well. to me. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, it's actually quite nice to be speaking to somebody who's the same um, time zone as me. I mean, I've done a couple of interviews now <laughs> in different yes. countries with like large time differences. And it's like, yeah, I'll just wake up at 4am so we can have a chat, mate. It's no biggie. While I'm sure. sat here with like matchsticks under my eyes to keep them open, like all in the name <laughs> of poetry. Yes, I often forget that when uh, sending a message to someone in America, for instance. Mm. I suddenly remember, oh, it's like 4am where you are. (laughs) (laughs) I think the worst is Australia. And it's just like you kind of like have to plan a day ahead. Absolutely. But Australia is the worst in so many ways. (laughs) Perhaps we won't go there. (laughs) 
No, no offence, Australians. I'm just being sassy. <laughs> As I've mentioned before, you were nominated by Ahavati back in 2017 now. How did it feel to be nominated? I mean, were you aware that you had been nominated at the time? I think I just logged into Deep Underground one day and saw a little thing on my user page that said, you have been nominated for Poet of the Month, is it? Yeah, Poet of the Month. Yeah, and I thought, oh, that's that's very nice. And um, I knew Havati, um, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, reasonably well. Uh, she, I know she writes very spiritual poems and uh, I think she'd come to like my work because some of our themes intersected I think. I also like quite a few of her poems. I haven't read any in a while but then um, I've been in and out of DU for a while so I'd like to rediscover some of her work but yeah no it felt felt good. Um, It felt good to see that someone had, uh, had liked my work enough to nominate it. Awesome. So your poem is very short however there is so much emotion packed into every line. It feels like no space is wasted in your poem. But the predominant image of the poem, I think, is sadness. And I, I don't know if you'd agree with that. Was this something that you wish to communicate with the reader in more of a metaphorical way? Or did it feel very literal on writing it at the time? <clears throat> well, if I start at the beginning, the title alone came from the title of an Edgar Allan Poe poem, which ends with the lines about how he's looking up at the clouds, or he looks in the... Oh, gosh, I can't remember, but... Um, <laughs> it, it's a poem that expresses the intense feelings of loneliness. And the idea for my poem alone uh, came from... I suppose the idea was formed by a wish to present a howl of despair. So not so much a kind of gentle, uh, melancholic sadness, but just, like, a howl of agony and rage and just horror at your own existence. I think of it really as one of the darkest poems I've ever written, if not the darkest, even though I've written about subjects like murder, violence, abuse, difficult family relationships, all of that. This one I feel is one of the bleakest, if not the bleakest, just because, as I say, it is just a howl of uh, despair and misery. So I suppose what I wanted to convey to the reader was just hearing a scream of pain, which isn't very pleasant, I know, but that was just what I wanted a little to bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was what I, I think I wanted to convey at the time. I wasn't feeling exactly that at the time, because I think if I was, I wouldn't have been able to be creative at all. I wanted to convey that emotion, so that that feeling that I have experienced in the past. Would you say that you, you're naturally more drawn to the darker side of poetry with famous authors and famous poets? Because I know you're quite into your literature as well, aren't you? Oh, yes, uh, yes, very much. Um, my introduction to really reading poetry for pleasure was the confessional poets of the mid-20th century. Uh, Sylvia Plath, of course, is the most famous of them, uh, closely followed by Anne Sexton, uh, Theodore Roethk, Robert Lowell, who wrote a lot about his struggles with mental illness. Um, I'm not sure any of the confessional poets would have described themselves as confessional, because I think they would have seen it as derogatory, as, oh, she dwells on her emotions constantly, she's a bit of a hysteric. But um, I remember being inspired by them and their very honest, very frank 
use of their own uh, personal lives. But moving on from that, I don't really view myself as a dark poet because I think I did once upon a time, but then I looked at other people's work and I was like, well, they go to places I'd never dream of going. (laughs) (laughs) There's certainly a few of those on Deep Underground. (laughs) Absolutely, and that's why it's called the Deep Underground. (laughs) But uh, my main inspiration in literature has always been the Gothic, Uh, going back to the English Gothics of the 18th and 19th centuries, people who wrote a lot about, I suppose a, a, a good word for the genre would be dark romance, because you have the romantics who were about personal consciousness and connection with nature. And then you have the dark romantics who bring in the looming castles and the ugly spectre and the past and memory and all of these haunting, almost supernatural things. And that's what I've always been influenced by, by the Gothic. And I think that has been what my voice has become as I've been writing over the years. You hint at little glimmers of hope in your poem with the reference to the methadone of food, TV and music. Uh, Are these things that you draw a particular comfort from or is it more the routine of such things that are the real comfort that you were perhaps trying to express? I was very surprised to hear you describe it as hopeful because I really didn't see it that way when I was writing it. When I talked about um, the methadone, that was a reference to heroin addicts who receive methadone as a way of weaning themselves off the harder stuff. But really, for me, when I was writing it, what I think I meant was that things like TV and food and... um, Do I mention food in the poem? I've just read it, but I can't remember. Yeah, you did. You put um, the methadone of food. There we go. Well, I've always... um, I've always struggled with my weight and addiction to junk food, so that was probably why that was there. But um, I saw those things as a, a distraction, like a bit of frivolity to distract you from the ultimate darkness that is going to consume you uh, in the poem. I can see why that might be hopeful, because it shows at least that there is some relief from the unremitting blackness. And I certainly draw a slightly more lasting relief from like music and film and books i mean personally i i did take it as as quite hopeful and i think that you know going back to some of even you know the gothic poets that you mentioned i think that there is some definitely some hope within theirs as well and maybe i'm just picking up on that as a reflection of things that you've been inspired by one of the inspirations, I think, for that metaphor was there was a playwright in the 1990s called Sarah Kane, who was uh, British, and uh, she wrote a play called Fedra's Dream, which is a modern retelling of the Fedra uh, legend. And it's about a prince who is suffering from uh, clinical depression to the point of complete emotional detachment. And she describes him as sitting on the sofa all day, uh, playing video games, eating junk food, masturbating, and just essentially reverting into repulsive slob. Yeah. Because he is relying on entirely on these uh, temporary self-help strategies. So that was uh, one of the inspirations for it. Yeah, I, I can see why there would be a little bit of hope there. And um, I find your interpretation very interesting because it gives me a new perspective on the poem. I just don't think that was what I was consciously thinking at the time. Well, maybe it was unconscious. You don't know. You never... Maybe I'm just a little bit guilty of trying to find the good in, in everything. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. Maybe that is what it is. But 
but we'll see. I guess everyone just interprets well, it differently. The um, thing is, I believe that the reader are often... So the reader's interpretation is more important than the author's in a lot of cases. Mm. There's a literary critic called Harold Bloom that I like to read who says very much that for all you know, your interpretation of a poem as a reader could be better than the author's. And I believe in that very much. Do you feel like you ever have to explain yourself too much or do, do you think that you should have to explain or are you much more how the reader perceives your poem? Um... I suppose when I started out, I started out with the idea that the writer has ultimate authority over the meaning of the work. Nowadays, I think that's absolute nonsense. <laughs> um, I think the if you release something for public consumption and it's read by various people, then the work kind of belongs to them in a way. And um, it's up to them to get their own meaning from it. Uh, there's no one meaning in art. That's why it's art and not science. Because, of course, with science, there's very clear, this is correct, this is incorrect, based on the data. With poetry, that's uh, not what it is at all. It, it's almost the opposite. Obviously, you uh, can get like monstrously wrong interpretations of things. But, oh, gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. But by and large, um, it's really up to the reader, I think. Well, the crunch for me comes during the the last line in the poem and it says i am here for you my son said the fictional god and i listened as best i could for a while now i can't help but notice the word god here is lowercase and it reminded me very much of a song by the actor steve martin and if you don't know it please type into youtube atheists don't have no songs <laughs> that he sang live on letterman because it's hilarious and one of the lines he sings is how in atheism uh, the he is always lowercase because he doesn't have any beautiful music or anything or atheists don't have no songs so um he's, he made his own and it's fantastic but would you consider yourself atheistic as you do in this particular piece? I mean, how do you feel about the idea of God? I wasn't trying to make any grand atheistic statement with that. Uh, thinking back, it's been a while since I've, I've written it, so I'm not sure what my exact thought process was. But uh, I think when I decided to put God in lower case, what I was trying to convey was that the Christian God, the God, the God that I grew up in and believed in for a long time, was just one of many gods, many gods in human thoughts and, I guess, human experience. As you know uh, quite well, because we've discussed this between ourselves, uh, I've moved a lot more towards paganism or a, a form of paganism. Yay! Uh, <laughs> I'm, not anywhere near as, I'm not anywhere near as committed as you are, I have to say. I... Um, I, I, I don't do the, the, the rituals or anything, but my sympathies are with the idea of there being many gods, or just the idea of many gods, from the Lovecraftian idea, or the way that Lovecraft put it, which is that there's a beauty in the idea of a world of many myths, and of many different stories, and many different origins of things. Uh, so I guess there was something paganistic about that. Also, I think it was a reference for me that I didn't expect anyone else to get to a book called The Savage God by, oh, I can't quite remember his name. I know, I think his name is Alvarez, but it was written by someone who knew Sylvia Plath quite well. Okay. Um, he was a poet as well. 
and he wrote the Savage God about the idea of certain types of poets being more prone to suicide or artists more prone to suicide. And he called it the Savage God, the Savage God being suicide. So it was it was just a very kind of, I think, a very kind of obscure hipster reference to something that I expected only myself to get. The first thing you said there when you said the Savage God, I thought that it sounded like a metaphor. Perhaps we are all our own gods. Uh, I don't know that, that that just came to mind when you when you said that, but I think that's another sort of interesting viewpoint. Yeah, that's certainly another idea. When I think of the phrase the savage god, I do think of um, pre-civilization tribes of uh, savages and what their own beliefs would have been. So I can certainly see that. Hmm. I mean, is the is the idea of this um, something that you regularly explore in your poetry in terms of themes? Uh, paganism um yeah or belief the idea of god belief very much in the last uh several years or so when i uh, started out writing poetry it was largely very personal because i started writing when i was a teenager and when you're a teenager your personal life or your personal feelings on what's going on around you they're kind of all you have as material hmm there was various styles that I aped from poets that I liked. For a while, I tried to do the whole kind of, um, as silly as this sounds, the whole uh, Bukowski dirty realism macho thing. <laughs> but, yeah, but that didn't quite that didn't that didn't quite work out for me. I think I produced some reasonably interesting work in in that mode, but that wasn't my voice. That was his voice. And over time, I've come to like exploring uh, spiritual ideas, uh, religious ideas. Because up until I was about 15 or 16, I was a Christian. I was a believer in God, in religion. And to this day, I, I still uh, am drawn to spirituality in, in some respects. I'm, as I say, I like the idea of there being many gods. I love mythology. It's one of my great uh, passions. So, yeah, I've, in, in recent years, like the last poem I wrote, in fact, was an, an edit of a poem I wrote a long time ago about um, Hindu creation myths. So, yeah, the gothic and the spiritual, I think, are things that are very important to me and influence my writing. I, I think that we're quite similar uh, in in a lot of ways, in the way that, uh, you know, that I've also grown up in a Christian household mm. um, and went to church for a large portion of my life, <laughs> uh, but have since turned away did my own thing for a while and then came back to paganism. But I still think that things like churches and cathedrals, I still find them some of the most beautiful places on earth. I think they have this wonderful just energy about them. And they're they're just so peaceful. And I still draw inspiration from them. Uh, It's almost as if the prayer is still up there, (laughs) you know, and you can kind of hear it. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, I'm still uh, it's very much influenced by uh, Christianity. I think growing up in England and having a connection to the roots of England, you'd have to be, because we were an extremely Christian country for a very long time, and our heritage is largely Christian. Of course, before that, we were pagans, but the Christians, yeah. you know, as they do, they came in, they took over. So, yeah, no, I, I completely understand. I love churches myself, and I'm one of my ambitions is to visit the 
all of the churches of England and America. Really? Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So I, I completely understand. How, how did you feel about the Notre Dame fire recently? Because I was watching that on the news. I was just absolutely devastated. Uh, uh, so much art, so much culture that just went up in smoke. Absolutely. I, I completely understand the devastation of it. That's what I felt as well. I thought um, one of my fav- favourite reactions to it I saw was on Twitter where someone said, um, Notre Dame is on fire and it looks like the end of the world. And it did. You know, mm-hmm. seeing that great cathedral uh, burning, it did feel like the end of the world. I had slightly more mixed reactions a bit since then because you see people with a lot of money and influence coming in and saying, uh, of course, we'll help build this great cathedral and rebuild this great cathedral. And, of course, it does make you wonder, well, if rich people were equally free with their resources when it came to feeding the poor, then maybe the world would be a slightly better place. But I think that's, you could say that's just reflexive cynicism. Well, we all need a little bit of cynicism, to be honest, just to get through life, I think. (laughs) So you've been on the site for quite a long time now. And if you don't mind me saying, I remember being utterly, utterly terrified of you when I first joined Deep Underground, because it felt like you were this untouchable talent that, that just scared me to death at the time and it literally took me years to try and talk to you but I mean how do you think that you've grown as a writer during this time because I mean as far as I'm concerned you've always been amazing but how do you think that you've grown? Well, I've always found your, your statement that you were frightened of me both alarming, uh, hilarious and <laughs> just uh, baffling because I remember when we first started talking, I'm not sure if I ever told you this, but I envied you in a lot of ways. Really? Yes, you seem to be someone whose life was a lot more together than mine could ever be. (laughs) Because I've always been, um, well, I've always struggled against getting out in the world and doing things and not being just reclusive and hiding away all day. And you seem to have... uh, conquered that to a large degree and I, th- I think you have so yeah I, I, I envied that about you my head uh, my head is just blowing right now <laughs> <laughs> well mine was as I say well I was about to say you spend a lot of time blowing me but I think that might be taken the wrong way you know what I mean um, I know what you mean so how um, have you grown as a writer uh, if I may use the phrase I think I've become a lot less wanky um, <laughs> What I mean by that is, when you when you start writing poetry, I think as a teenager, you're very self-obsessed. The details of your own personal life are the most important things in the world to you. And I have think I've grown away from that a great deal. Also, I think I've just found what it is that I want to write about and what it is that I want to say. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, for a while I've tried to ape the whole Bukowski thing. And um, there were other modes that I tried and none of it quite fit. I think I've I've settled now into a good rhythm. Uh, I don't write poetry anywhere near as much as I used to. It's just uh, when and if the mood strikes. But I I always enjoy it. Before coming on this podcast, while we were busy sorting out the technical side of things, I thought I might try writing a poem about Anne Radcliffe, one of the original Gothic novelists. It's an idea for a poem I've had in my head for a while. 
And that's what I like to write about. I like to write about the Gothic. I like to write about nature, about paganism, about spirituality, and largely also just about England. I I like this country. I like its history. And that's been a great inspiration to me. I think um, England has been quite inspirational to you as well. Uh, Absolutely. And, and I keep trying to explain this to people that may, may live in other countries, but there's this kind of inexplicable melancholy to England that you, you can't really explain to anyone outside of it who hasn't really experienced it. Mm. Um, no, absolutely. I don't know if it's the rain or <laughs> or what, but there's just... Um, well, you know, one of our, one of our, as one of our great writers said, all my joys to this are folly, not so sweet as melancholy. Well, there we go. That's the, prevail- that's the prevailing attitude of our country, the pissing rain and the melancholy. <laughs> exactly. And the uh, sort of kind of inappropriate comments and coping mechanisms really is quite English. So, <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The yeah. dark humour. Absolutely. <laughs> so where, where did the name, because uh, is it the Silly Sybil? Where did uh, that come from? I think I was reading T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland at the time the uh, famous long poem he wrote that was cobbled together from quotations and and memories of different things in culture. And he opens that poem with, I think, a Latin quotation. not quite sure, but it's a quotation about the Sibyl. And the Sibyl was an oracle from ancient Rome. And in the poem, in the quote from the poem, he talks about the Sibyl uh, prophesying death and destruction and all this misery and i just like the idea of being a silly sybil <laughs> of being <laughs> of being an or- of being an oracle who was just a bit daft <laughs> just a bit cracked in the head <laughs> it, it kind of quite well i suppose it quite suits you then really doesn't it <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> i meant oh my god i meant that in a good way i <laughs> know oh, i know i know yeah yeah i don't want to offend anyone <laughs> then of course i chose a, a picture from antiquity of um, a painting of a sybil and if you click on the picture, you'll see it in full, and you'll see that she has very erect nipples. So that's something else to add. I remember once, uh, years ago, just anecdotally, I I briefly had as my profile picture a sexy burger waitress from a burger bar. And she was like holding up two giant burgers, and she had, you know, in in the way of sexy waitresses, very big breasts. And she was very, she was very appealing looking. And within like a week, I had messages from men trying to chat me up. Really? <laughs> yeah. I remember getting one from some American man saying, "Hey, baby, I love your poems, love your look." <laughs> that's not me. That's a random lady. I just like sure? the idea that I, I just like the idea that he was just he was just flirting with a random homosexual from England. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you never know. There's a lesson, never people. <laughs> <laughs> I felt a bit like a catfish. Oh, dear. So do you have any plans for the future in terms of trying to publish? Or is writing more of a, a leisure activity for you right now? Oh, I'd love to be published one day. I mean, I think we all have an ego in that respect. At the moment, I'm trying to write a novel. Uh, I haven't touched it in like over seven months. But I have about 10,000 words. And it's a fantasy novel. Okay. But um, when it comes to poems, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be published one day. I'm not sure how I go about it, but maybe. Have you ever been published in anthologies or online? Or 
Uh, well, when I was with, I was with the Prince's Trust for, if you don't know, um, not you personally, but anyone listening, because uh, you obviously know, you live in England. Um, the Prince's Trust is a programme for under 30s to help them get back into work and to teach them new skills. And I was with that programme for a while. One of the courses they put us on was uh, a creative writing course. And we published an anthology called Stories to Tell. And in that... Um, a few of my poems were published and then but before that I think it was just like a writer's magazine when I was a teenager so yeah largely no but I have my own little anthology that I keep in my room so if you if you were to publish an anthology what what would be your title what would you call the whole thing an interesting one I remember as a teenager discussing with a friend what we call our memoirs and as a joke, I said, I call mine memoirs of a social misfit. <laughs> <laughs> what would I call my book of poems? Gothic reflections in a city puddle. That doesn't sound too pretentious, does it? No, not, not at all. I was quite, I was quite surprised considering I put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Jack's big book of poems. <laughs> uh, that seems that that's the kind of thing that I would publish just for a laugh I don't know Jack thank you so much for talking with me today and it's an absolute honour to pick your brains on your winning poem and other things along the way oh, thank and you it's great to be here it was a lot of fun yay <laughs> well you are a true veteran of deep underground and we're very lucky to have your talent gracing our screens if only sporadically these days <laughs> um, any final thoughts you'd like to leave us with I suppose I could use this space to Tell people to read more poems on the Deep Underground. Read uh, Missy. Your poems are very, very good. I've always liked yours. Read Vidax. He's very good. I always like his work. Uh, who else is there? David McLeod. Uh, you recommended him to me and I started reading him and he's very good. I've not left a comment yet, but I will do eventually. Who else? Who else? Uh, oh, uh, Amon. Amon Soze. He's very good. Um... Is Alistair still on the site? He is. He is still there. Yeah. Read Alistair Plint as well. He's good. <laughs> and uh, I think that's all I can think of right about now. Oh, Fair and um, I'm oh, sorry, an, an Imperfected Stone. She's also good. She is wonderful. I love her very much. Yes. Um, I just think she's fantastic imagery. We've not spoken in several years, but I started uh, looking at her poems again recently, and she's, if anything, gotten better. So read she her as well. Is, yeah. Thank you for talking to us today. That's perfectly fine. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. The Underground Poetry Fucked so deeply by fallacies, I find it hard to swallow when still tasting the chitin-laced silk spun frivolously in the back of my throat. Despite weighted collections, the most delicate and forgiving threads, tangled in my gullet, are unable to release a hold, now intertwined with my soul. All which was breathtaking, fully embraced and then cocooned, continually emerges, rebirthed with razored edges, and leaves me bleeding internally when frantically seeking a means of escape. Bruised and bloodied knees are the recorded timestamps 
of each unanswered echo for segmented dissections of the hippocampus, begged to any and all ascended. For everything you have both brought and done to me, I love and hate you with equal intensity. And that was Taryn there with her incredibly powerful piece, Spatial Abortion, which was read beautifully, and I encourage you to check out her work. Links for all the poets mentioned in the show will be listed in the show notes and can all be found on deepundergroundpoetry.com. Coming up next, we have a Legends interview I'm really quite excited and nervous about, mainly because we don't have a lawyer to hand and the girl is a wild one. Here comes Anna Grin next on the Poetcast Project. Legends from Ink to Airwaves with Eamon Soze. I will start every morning with some sort of steel javelin shot through my chest, pinning me to the mattress. I would be so sure the coldness spreading around my shoulders with blood, the numbness in my fingers and toes, rigor mortis. When I opened my eyes, the pressure change and disappointment crushed my lungs. After a while, I pulled my body off the crime scene. There was no javelin, there was no pain, and yet there was. Fickle sunlight pretending to welcome me, running to the horizon without me, the clammy touch of sleep soothing me. In the morning, I would start with a steel javelin shot through my chest, pinning me to the mattress. Hello, and welcome back to Legends from Ink to Airwaves. I'm Emma Soze, and that piece of poetic marvel entitled Day to Day was written by Anna Green. Remember since 24th of March 2013, and who is, as it happens, right here with us at the Podcast Project. Anna, hello, you're very welcome. Hi, thank you. And may I say I love what you've done with the place. Thank you very much. It's very welcoming. Um, we'll have a look at the poem in a minute, uh, but if you talk about you first, Anna, um, you once said a poetry... <laughs> For me... You sent me the quote, I remember. Um, you said to me, that word has the same emotional intensity as hate. L- was it love? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I forgot the forgot the rest of it. You do it. Love, uh, fear, etc. So it is not easy to define. I have probably tried to before. If so, I have failed. Now I would describe it as something I used to do. Uh, that was August 12, 2015. You wouldn't stand by that now, then, a mere four years later. Well, I mean, I've continued to fucking write things, haven't I? So, I mean, I can't really say that it's something I used to do. Mm. Yeah? I, I thought, you know, you were talking about it's not easy to find. You've probably tried to define it before, but failed. Um, Born in the UK. It's the Shire of Robin Hood. You know it. All right, right. So, you live in a forest. Good stuff. <laughs> um, no, I don't live in a forest. Childhood, what was it like? Pretty average. Suburban, I would say. Suburban. Grew up in a little village outside of the city that I still live in for some fucking reason. Did I love my parents? Do I get on with my siblings? I don't know. <laughs> you have siblings then? I do, yes. I've got one brother, one sister. Oh, right, nice. My sister's younger, my brother's older. Were you a typical young English girl? You know, did you invest in all Typical young English girl. In... Yes, I was the perfect English rose. Oh yeah, good um... stuff. Could you balance? <laughs> could you balance the books on your head? Keep your back straight. Uh, sip tea with your finger out. <laughs> I, 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 I guess that would have made a lot of people very happy, but no, ah. I'm dyspraxic. Right. That's a fun fact about me. I'm dyspraxic, so that means I'm inherently very clumsy. All right. So I, I still drink and things like that, but it doesn't matter. 
Well, I suppose it could matter. What did you want to be when you were 14? What did I want to be? Yeah. I still want to be an artist, really, to be honest. All right, nurse. An artist? Can you hear me all right? No, I can't, yeah. A nurse that can draw, then. Can... No, not a fucking nurse, an artist. Uh, what kind gallery, of art do you do? Gallery exhibitions, shows, things like that. What kind of art do I do? I do, like, installations. Um, they're all sort of creepy, sort of centred around childhood, things... Because, you know, even if you have a normal childhood, like, I mean, nobody ever has a normal, normal childhood, you know what I mean? You know, there's, there's always something. So, where... I'm, I'm, I'm still in therapy, so I can't really discuss it here, to be honest. But All right. You know, it's a question. But is it rude to ask how old you are? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. Well, I'll tell you anyway, I'm 24. Um, poem, Day by Day, written July 2016. Uh, there's a Bob Dylan song, Ain't Dark Yet, with the line, Behind every beautiful thing, there's some song kind of pain. Certainly, the lines, the stanzas could could be classed uh, as beautiful. Uh, Anna, where did that kind of poem come from? I prefer a few things to say about this, to be honest. You know, not like write write them down, but like think about them. There's a lot of poems about being sad, isn't there? Mm-hmm. So many, so many poems about depression, how it feels, you know, existential pain and angst and torment. And to be honest. A lot of them are really fucking boring. <laughs> they're just like, they're all the same. I didn't want to uh, overstate the pain of it because if you know it, then you, you already kind of know. So that's kind of where that come from. Can you read over your poems, this one, for example, uh, and appreciate the level of poeticness in it? You know, I wrote this. This is pretty good. Um, mm, I don't know. Do you? Well, to be quite honest now, um, I was looking through the forums there today and yesterday, you know, just researching your stuff, and uh, I, mm-hmm. I came across a few things, but uh, there, there's a couple of things I came across of my own stuff that I wrote and forgot all about, you know, and I'm looking at it and saying, yes, I wrote that, that's fucking good, you know, and I have thinking of yeah. uh, taking it off a forum and uh, publishing it all together, you know, but then I think, ah, mm-hmm. fucking, I'll leave it, I'll leave it there, you know, so there are some things. But in saying that, about two years ago... Maybe uh, more poetic, just to let it sort of sit and decay. Yeah. In the mists of the internet. I, I have done that before, you know, especially when I'm, like, sort of struggling for something to write. I'm like, okay, this is going to sound narcissistic. I'll search my own name through the forums. All right. I'll see what comes up, see what comes up. And then sometimes if I find something, I'll just post it. I'll be like, yep, yeah, this is new. I found something else today where you called me a jumped-up fairy. Jumped up fairy. Who called you a jumped up fairy? That wasn't me, was it? It it was. It was you. It was. <laughs> I must uh, I must send it to you. <laughs> it was funny. Jumped up fairy. Uh, I was thinking more of in the sort of like leprechaun sense of fairy. It pro- it probably came across all wrong, didn't it? Oh. Poetry. Uh, what about did poetry become something that you went and read voluntarily? Let's say without you know your schoolmaster or something saying <laughs> making it. Well, I was a precocious child, to be honest, okay, so, um, way before 2014, uh, I was on, I was on a different poetry website as well, you remember that? It was, uh, that Abracadabra, who I don't know where he's fucking gone now, but he's not around really, is he? Not really, no, he comes and goes. Yeah, but he posted on one of my poems, which was sort of like, it was just sort of a load of mixed metaphor, was about rain and crying and how the 
the teardrops were like little centers and they like sort of crushed as, as they hit the ground um <clears throat> yeah and he just he just wrote underneath it this is a site that i think your poems will probably you know fit in better on all right on the link and um, literally that's it that's how i found it i'm kind of glad i did to be honest and your first stab at poetry then it wasn't on du obviously it was uh, the site before that yeah. Uh, what was it called? Um, uh, it was some stupid. I can't remember the name of the site now. It. I, I. I went back there a few times, and you know, it is. It is just. You know. I mean. Again, like a lot of poetry sites, they're just full of shite, aren't they? To be honest. Like self-published, absolute, absolute crap. It's absolute. It's. It's. I. I thought it was great, obviously, but I was younger then. So I mean, looking back at it with, I don't know, all the wisdom of a twenty-four-year-old, or I don't know, twenty, whenever I. Went back and had a look at it. it. Just doesn't doesn't look that good. Maybe I think I'm better than that. Maybe I are. Can you remember the first time you wrote? The first thing I wrote. Yeah. The first thing I wrote. Uh, no, no, honestly, I really can't. I do remember one poem that I wrote when I was very, very young, and it was about the moon. I don't remember how it went, but I do remember it was like in a sort of like basic sort of rhyming scheme structure, and I drew a picture of the moon to go along with it. So that's cute, isn't it? And probably the start of your artistic <laughs> powers. Pretty much, yeah, exactly. And I think it ended up in a school poetry magazine or something. Oh, very good. Are you comfortable enough showing people your your stuff, your poems? No, no, not really, not really. I mean, you've read them, you know what they're about, like. Yeah, yeah. Mm, there's people I can't show that to, you know? Of course, yeah. Like pretty much everybody I know. There's there's some people I don't <laughs> mind showing it to. There's there's a certain few people I'll show, I'll show things to. And, you know, I've always wanted to do some sort of poetry readings, but, I mean, I have fucking anxiety. I mean, it's got to be, it's going to be tough, isn't it? It is. I want, to, I, I do want to do it. I do want to do it at some point. The other question was, I think you answered it anyway, was would you or have you gone to a um, spoken word event in your area? Well, I've gone, I've gone to a few, but I've not participated. They're, they're good. They're good around here. Like, yeah, it's, it's a very artistic kind of city. I kind of, I like it. I like it. It's probably why I've not left yet. Silver dulled cyanotor brie grooved each wrist rests languid small twigs in e metal palm waiting. Seek among the carons and the snake charmer baskets, toe touch to the bumped wall calving the desk's edge. Home find grip, tightened the tongues, tautened the tactile membrane, ticklish, tongue twisting biting, anticipate now, yank each. Will not, cannot, have not, out of the ground, and displace its anchor. Rock this sailboat, free milliseconds of serenity, shipwreckable peace. Silver dulled, cyanosure, brie grooved, each wrist rests languid, small twigs in a metal palm waiting. Tap, tap. I'm so glad I put the number three in there for you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Trick. It makes me smile. Yeah. By Anna Green. Um, slightly different from the first one, and not your typical erotic poem, Anna. No. To be fair, sometimes the categories I choose aren't, you know, strictly accurate. I mean, sometimes they're sort of more tongue in cheek than anything else, you know. Like, uh, there's there's not enough categories for every type of poem. You know, it can't be, can't be. It could be two things at once. It could be, it could be something that's not even on there. I mean, it's just a prescriptive list of 
things so that you know people that are searching for something specific like porn basically yeah. what they want well, like, I suppose if you click in here uh, on erotic and you start off there... Also, also, more people read it if it's in the erotic category. You know that's true. Uh, let me see. What have you got there? All right, 350, yeah. yeah. But that, I would have thought that would be normal now. It's a kind of a good poem to try and talk to, but talk, speak. But, um, Jesus, it's a challenge, you know? It really is. Uh, could, you, could you do better than that, do you think? No, 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 you, you did, you did, you did really well. <laughs> yeah, but, but <laughs> alright, so you're not going to try it, huh? No? Uh, no, 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 not that one. Is there any kind of categories you have in mind there that could kind of work? Obviously it's, it's, it's written sort of cryptically, but there's a very, very basic explanation of what it's about. It's using a pair of tweezers to pick individual hairs out of my legs. Oh. Do you see how that works? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when you know the meaning behind it, it's not quite as not quite as pretty, is it? Uh, <laughs> I suppose we touched on this a minute ago, anyway. But on on one of the forums, you credit Abracadabra as the one uh, alleged to DU. Um, did it take much persuasion uh, when you got here and had a look? No, when I had a look, I was like, "This is different from any of the other poetry sites I've seen," and. The fact that I think it was sort of like started in the UK as well. I think it's it's a UK face, isn't it? I think so, yeah. That was like that. That made me feel a little bit more at home. I think. Well, if it turns out now that the webmaster was only kind of that was a double bluff smokescreen kind of thing, and she's really Egyptian, would it would it would it matter? No, <laughs> you're trying to ask if I'm racist. <laughs> well, yeah, in a roundabout way, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah, no, go on. Sorry, I interrupted you there. I think there's a there's a difference between American and English poetry, specifically. American poetry is... There's, there's something a little bit more try-hard about it, sometimes, I think. Is, 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 is that a rude thing to say? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'll piss some people off with that. I'm not sure. But I think that sometimes, especially with the spoken word poetry, sometimes there's a bit too much going on. Right. A little bit too much. It needs to be a little bit more stripped back. We just like to take this part of the show to remind people that uh, any complaints uh, about our guests or anything like that uh, should be sent straight to Goodest. All right, well, thank you. Uh, please continue. Yeah, exactly. yeah that's fair if enough. If you're yeah. American and on DU, then, you know, I probably don't like you. Uh, you're different. You <laughs> no, no, no. There's, there's, there's some poets on, on, on DU who are American who I really like their poetry. I was just speaking more in general, and it's more sort of on other poetry sites. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, just in, in general, DU is different anyway. Can you remember the name of your first profile on DU? Uh, yes, I think so. Oh. Amina Sunther, I think. Or was it Wing? Do, not really sure. But, one of the two. Well, I, I, I'm not sure that's why I asked you in the first place, but I, I know the second one that you mentioned, that one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you said uh, on that at some stage that you were a kind of uh, a rebirth of another one. Something along the lines. Oh, yeah. I yeah, think. I did, didn't I? I did. Yeah. No, I can't remember then. It must be gone. Well, you know, that's growth for you. That's evolution. It is, yeah. What, what's the change you're yeah. for? I don't know. You want to sort of leave all parts of you behind sometimes, don't you? All right. Like, that's not me anymore. That can go. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Especially if there's things that you're sort of like trying to overcome or, you know, 
like a lot of the old poems that I, if I look back on them now, I hate, I hate them. They're so bad, especially the ones where I myself was trying too hard. Like, like I just had a little bitch about. It. Like that's ah, oh, they make me cringe. All right, I'm going to ask you for the number between 1 and 15. Our researcher has sifted through um, some of the old retro ask a questions thread and picked 15 questions. So what we'll do, we'll do five. Uh, number 13, you said. Um, have you ever gone to or would you ever go to a rave? And that's why I remember Lacey Spacey. I, don't know, I haven't seen her around in a while. Lacey Spacey? Oh, I miss her. Uh, to be honest... No, I haven't still. In my life, I never have. I would. Yeah, I definitely would. It hasn't reached that part of the country yet, has it? Well, no, they're there. They're there. I just, I just never get invited. Oh, right. <laughs> Pick a number. Fifteen. All right. Well, this is another question by Lacey Spacey. And it is... Is fire a gas, a liquid, or a solid? For the life of me, I can't figure it out. Uh, that's science, isn't it? I don't know. Wait, fire's fire? Well. <laughs> gas, isn't it? I'll go with gas. It's a gas. It's not a liquid. It can't be a liquid. And it can't be a solid. All right. I'll listen to a question by uh, Anonymous. And it Do helicopters eat their young at birth? Absolutely. Do you have proof of this? Yeah, and the, the the male helicopters are the worst. It's like lions. They eat they eat the weaker ones that are not their own offspring. So only the strongest helicopter survives. All right. I'll take your word for that. Right, I'm going to read uh, We Submit Into Evidence Item 356. Three, you didn't see my carpet burn. Under my fingers, it feels like the edge of a guillotine. I hang about waiting to feel bad about it. Wanted to tell you, forgot my eyelash there. Uh, we submit into evidence. Uh, item 356. So where did that come from? <clears throat> Cheating, obviously. I mean, is it not obvious? <laughs> well, it is now. Right now it is. Well, yeah, it kind of was obvious, yeah. Um, See? It's obvious. Um, did I... Right, well, you say cheating, so, uh, you know, did you... Spit it out. Did that, kind of, did that help in any way, you know, writing that poem? Um, in terms of guilt or whatever kind of stuff you're feeling. Uh, uh yeah. I mean, is that angry? Yeah, see, angry? Yeah, are you angry that you didn't know I, this? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Thing is, thing is, I struggle to understand my feelings at a basic level anyway. I don't know how many other people are kind of like that, but writing helps me. I don't know if it helps me understand them, but it helps me get them out in a way that I'm less likely to be judged for it, you know? Right. I've made something kind of worthwhile out of something else. I'm told you love a good riddle. When did you start liking riddles? I say, I, I, I say this because I was looking back over some of the forums, uh, from some of your, yeah. your forums, and uh, oh, there was hundreds of them. Well, I don't know. That sounds like something I might have said just to be clever. Did I write any riddles out, or did I answer some riddles? Or... You did. Well, it must have been a passing phase. I can't remember any of them. Oh, I can't. 
Right, well, nothing springs to mind anyway. Your book. The one book you ever wrote. Uh, I see. I I see Amazon are doing a nice deal. Buy the book or or steal the book as it happens. Uh, and stream ninety days of Amazon Music Unlimited for free. Win win. The poems are exclusive to the book. You won't find them on DU, and it's available on paperback legally in in Lulu. Uh, is that right, Anna? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's also like space at the back, so if you want to write your own notes and criticisms in it, feel free. Huh. Um, I left some blind pages in. Did you? Yeah. Take us through the stages of getting your book together. First of all, I went through my profile. I sort of picked out which ones I wanted in it, and I knew I wanted it in three parts as well. And I think the three ones that I picked, I think they work quite well. I think it's a it's a nice progression. Eyes, wings, teeth. Yeah. So it's, it's split into sort of three sections. First one, I think I, I did it by category as well. So I did like ones that I'd chosen for the observational poem category in the eyes bit. And then wings, I think that was more sort of like, I think that was love poems, I think. And then I think the last one was sort of self poems, I think. Or it might have been a it might have sort of got mixed up a bit between the last two categories and the last two sections. But yeah, no, it was it was fun. It was a, a, a very solitary process. How do you pick stuff? Like, how do you say, right, this will do? It's, it's not something that I have, like, a process for, especially. I just, I guess I sort of read it over a few times, and if I think it's good enough, it goes in. When you say you took yeah. them from your profile, you're talking about your DU profile. Yeah, yeah, because they, they were on there first, and then I, I got rid of them once I published the book, so I thought, no point. Did I'll get the book if they're, if they're there for free. Like, <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. yeah Did... may, as, may, as, may as well not bother. Uh, well, embrace capitalism, like, you know, why not? Oh, yeah, uh, you took them out with DU profile, so when you were picking them, did kind of likes, mm-hmm. reading lists, uh, comments, did they, did they play any kind of role in, in the process? Actually, yeah, they do. I think reading lists are maybe more significant than likes or comments, especially if I've selected, you know, not receiving any comments on something and it's still got three reading lists or four, then, I mean, that's that's got to mean it's hitting some chords, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's doing something. Yeah, yeah fair enough. But, but sometimes there's a lot of comments and there's no reading lists. Hmm. But there's a lot of comments, and like the discussion in the comments is interesting. So on that basis, <laughs> it might go in the book. I'm a likes person, you know. But let's see, I'll do the ratio of reads and ah, likes. No, likes, likes are meaningless. How many likes can you get on a picture on Facebook, Instagram? It's hard enough. It's hard, I think it's harder to get someone to press the the like button on your thing than it is for them to make a comment or to do a reading list. Because if you look at your own. Uh, like look at your own. No, that's the easiest. The easiest thing is to do a like. That's, that's the easiest thing. Well, I mean, physically, all it, it is, you move the mouse, you click like. Exactly. That's all. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't even send. It doesn't send you any notifications that someone's liked your poem either. So. That it would follow then that if someone went as far as to put your poem on a reading list, uh, that <laughs> they that they just throw in the like anyway, if it was well, that easy. Likes it, it lo- yeah, it, it, it likes it for you if you put it on the reading list. It it, it, it assumes that you like it. You I know, don't. If it's if it's going in there, but 
I don't know. I, 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 know, I know what you mean. People, people do the comments thing so that they can get you to go to their profile and read theirs. And it's just like, yeah, sweet, sweet, good ink. Yeah. Keep on, right on. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, cheers, thanks. Does that bother you at all? It doesn't, it doesn't, but it used to bother me. It used to bother me a lot, but I used to be bothered by quite a lot of, you know, pointless things. But <laughs> I, th I think it's, I think it's kind of endearing, really. I never, I never did that. I, I always thought that if I'm going to comment on someone's poem, I might as well say something, you know, that I meant to say. Fair enough. Than uh, in, an, in your own words. In my own words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How do you feel when someone buys your book? Do you, do you get notification? Or, or is it just like a check through the door or what? Yeah, <laughs> check through the door, £10,000 a week. Nice, like, nice. Um, <laughs> well, to be honest, I mean, through the Amazon thing, I, I've been getting no notification that anyone's been buying it at all, but some people have commented that they've bought it, you know, on that thread where it's like DUP published authors. Oh, yeah. That makes me feel good. That makes me feel a lot warm and fuzzy inside. So I do appreciate it. I really do. I like that people are out there reading them and enjoying them. You might even get the price of a cup of tea or something like that every now and again. Yeah. I might, might get myself a coffee out of it, yeah. Oh, you're a coffee person. Right, right, right. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, know, I know all about tea in the old Emerald Isle. Right, fair all enough. All about the, uh, the cultural significance of the cup of tea. <laughs> The book, is, is it something that you do again? No, I never... Now that you mention it, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, it's difficult to have enough confidence, isn't it, in your poems to actually publish them in an entire book format. And I didn't put a whole lot of effort, to be honest, into things like the cover or like the type font or the typeface or the way that it was laid out. I put a bit of effort in, but I didn't put in sort of you know, full-on publishing effort, like, I think if, if I was to do another one, I think I'd do it properly. Have you, have you seen the keywords? Uh, 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 did you write the keywords? Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I was looking at the, the cover there when you were talking about the cover is decent enough, I would have thought, you know. Yeah, I know, but it's not my image, is it? It's just a, it's just a free Google image. Right. Yeah, I do it properly. I put some like artwork on the cover. I'd uh, design it properly, and it'll be on like nice paper, and it would be probably hardback, maybe. Oh, yeah. actually, that's a bit far, isn't it? That's a bit far. I mean, for a poetry book, that's a bit far. Hardcover. Maybe I'd put some pictures in there as well. I could sort of merge like pictures of my art, and then pictures of, and then just poems. poems yeah, I would have thought that too. Yeah. Alongside. yeah. Yeah, that, that, would, that would warrant a hardcover book, I think. Yeah, you want a hardcover. Hey, you're not getting in here. <laughs> <laughs> How well do you know your poetry? This is a... Uh, um, says here you've 91 published. Uh, I'm fair to say you've hundreds on, hundreds on the treads uh, competitions. Uh, what happens now is I'll speak a couple of lines from five of your poems, uh, and you have to name them. Uh, you get two points for each one you get right, uh, and not to pile on the pressure, but Magdalena, before you scored six or, six or seven, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, well, we got to beat that bitch. <laughs> Come on, throw uh, at me. Uh, I'll stick with the 90 that you've published, all right? I'm getting really competitive now, you stop it. 
Mm. Uh, it is not about the toe caught under the gap in the door, ripping the nails from his warm bed. It is how sick I feel. Uh, do you know what it is? I recognise it. I recognise it. What was this one called? Ah, uh, I forgot what it's called. No, pass. I'm not going to do so well on this. <laughs> um, I don't know, Panic. Uh, Malcontent is the name of that one. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, I could cheat. Sometimes there are no cars, only the traffic lights. Calmly, from green to red, blink. Oh, telling. Ah. Say that again, just for clarity. T- telling, telling, telling. Okay, tell. Do tell. Tell it. That's the name of it, isn't it? Do I call it telling? You did. Um, yeah. And you're correct. Good stuff. Um, on. That was a bit too easy, though, I think. You know, you had it right. Um, all love is like a clay pot. Assembly line produced. Drying in an oven. Well, this was like two days ago. Was it? I know this one. Yeah. Oh, oh it was. Well, I, I exaggerate. I exaggerate. But it's called The Real Deal Baby. It is. Yes. Why, why am I surprised you got that? I mean, it was only <laughs> only last week or something like that. Hang on. So maybe the heart is burned out of me. The frozen corpse of a crack house on Main Street, wasted on the spineless. What's this called? That is the question. Yeah, that's the question, isn't it? Ah, uh, fuck me, pass, I don't know. Well, that would be an odd title. Home, and, and <laughs> well, I mean, it's uh, it's not what it was, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Right. I don't think that is the title, no, no, not this particular one, anyway. Well, I'll, I'll type that in and search it. Um, <laughs> instinct emphasis cures curses and cures from obsidian screens, manifest flesh. Um, You're doing great, by the way. Thank you. Well, no, you're not. It's... But but you are. You are and you're not, you know. <laughs> um, what did I call that one? I genuinely, I, I, I don't really know. All right. Uh, you, t- you tell me, since you've got them all in front of you. I do. How about that? I mean, that, that seems like the logical way to proceed. If you have all the answers in front of you, why don't you tell me? All right, I will. Uh, doorstep on my on singles. Uh, we're staying in kind of the same old period so keep your head where it is uh, I didn't know if I should trust your silky eye filming over titanus bombed black eyed boy it is it is and that's yeah. mm. alright there's one more salt chalk dust magician's bloom oh to have that flourish your trembling precision I've, I've lost already at this point so <laughs> See Rushmi. She loves me. See, see Rushmi. Uh, oh, crush, crush. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. it. Yes. Why can I not remember? Why, why is this so difficult? Moonlit shadows, bones and bones, naked bones on a dead body, eyes blinking in the security lights, watching the shadows creep, creep on by, hour on hour on. Daylight shadows. Knife and knife, all stabbing, all over. Dead pain for a dead body, eyes blinking at the aluminium. A silent love bite from a belt to swallow and brush my teeth well. Um, mm-hmm. Patient compliance there. 
Again, uh, I love poem by Anna Green. Anna, no one can accuse you of writing traditional love poems. I would be offended if they did. Uh, can you remember the first kind of love poem you wrote? Again, no, I think we've established so far that my memory is pretty poor. Uh, not so... as bad as my memory, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I, I can't. Well, actually, hang on, wait a minute. I might be telling a lie. I think the first love poem that I wrote would have been for a man who lives in America who had literally no interest in me whatsoever, but I liked his poems a lot. He's, he was a manic depressive type, and we sort of got on quite a bit yeah. through poetry. This was before DU, before Deep Underground, before that phase of my life. And I think, yeah, I wrote what could be classed as a love poem. His name's not Mania, but he's, he's part of Concrete Generation Poets. All right. And he he didn't he didn't need a love poem writing about him, especially for me. He's like that, that was that was not where that was going at all. But he was he was encouraging. He was like a mentor kind of kind of figure in my early poetry writing life. And I don't really speak to him all that much anymore. But I mean, that's kind of the way I do things, isn't it? I sort of go away. Hmm. So that's probably more on me than it is on him. But. I think that might be the first love poem that I ever wrote. Right. Um, did Sheldon know? Probably, yeah. But he probably wouldn't have seen it as as a love poem. But I think I did. All right. Um, <laughs> in my in my in my in my youthful unrequited love special little way. What is your most treasured book? My most treasured book? Yeah. Uh, you're going to laugh, but I've got a really old Bible. Have it? <laughs> I do, yeah. I've got a really old Bible. And it was given to me by for free by this man in a bookshop when I was about, I don't know, 12 years old. Right. And it's, it's, it's old as in, like, it's still got all the these and thous in it, and the paper is thin, thin paper. Did you right? read it? Sometimes. I like the um, Hellfire and Brimstone bits. They're my favourite. I think that's the best bit of the story, where it sort of like reaches the destruction of the world, oh. as we know it. Revelations. Yeah, that's the one, yeah. yeah also, right. I do have one copy of my own book as well. What attracted you to your current avatar? Oh, okay. I think it might have been the tits. Right. <laughs> See, <laughs> it's like sort of witchy, isn't it? It's sort of like a cult. And yeah. Dark. I thought you were a bit. It's me, but I think that that could be me. That could be a thing that I would do. Like I did things sort of similar to that, you know, at uni for art. So it represents me pretty well. Do you? All these changes since you joined it. Uh, how are you finding them? Well, you know, speaking as a bitter old 24-year-old, I think life goes on. Right. I think that most of the changes are pretty good. I mean, to be honest, it started out really basic, didn't it? It started out really basic. Yeah. I'm not somebody that does any sort of computer science or anything for a living, but it's quite. I imagine that is quite difficult, especially with a limited budget to maintain a poetry site and also sort of 
keep it up to date. And I think, right, the thing's like adding themes. Is that what you're talking about, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because it makes you think. It forces you to sort of think about what box you want to put it in. But in the end, it doesn't really matter. It's exactly the same as having the poem categories. It doesn't make any difference, really. All right. Um, advice for new members. Um, yeah, listen to the older people, yeah. <laughs> Anna, fair to say, true legend of the underground. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting you. Many thanks for coming on and giving us more of an insight into your good and bad self. Link for Anna's book is on our profile. Go, click, buy, smile. Alright, so the one I picked is six seconds. The reason I picked it is because it does have the most reading lists and comments in detectives. So it is my most popular. Alright. So six seconds is all it takes to fall out of love or realise you fucking died. I'm going to be beautiful. Bathe in leeches, spit under the solstice moon, kill my father and mother and brother and sister. I'm going to be a talker. Smash my teeth and my fists on the stone. Bark melted silver like a cat. Eat a rare songbird a day. Everything I want, I can see and touch right now. I cradle my dreams like neonatal rats, small, hairless. Yet to grow me, and with tails I could tie together the glorious, full grown, precious darling. Our next snippet is something I'm quite sure that many of you will not like because things are about to get a little metal. <laughs> I am denied about putting this into the show when I first heard it, and then it got me thinking about what exactly constitutes poetry. Those of you familiar with memes may be aware of a meme going round called Condescending Wonka, and it's a picture of Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka from the film Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, who stands there saying really sarcastic things. However, one condescending Wonka meme came up not so long ago on my Facebook and it reminded me of this piece that I'm about to share with you. It simply said, Oh, don't like metal because you can't hear the words? Nicki Minaj must be a real poet. And that struck home with me. If you look through the musical offerings on the DU, which I've spent quite a lot of time sifting through since starting the Poetcast Project, Surprisingly, almost 80% of music recorded is heavy metal, death metal, thrash metal. There's just so much metal that it seems silly not to bring that to the forefront of what the DU is about. And that has always been about expression. I think maybe we are all a little guilty of putting poetry in boxes sometimes, thinking that poetry has to look a certain way or read a certain way, sound a certain way. And the beauty of poetry, the beauty of living our own individual lives is that it's our differences that makes us so unique. And we should embrace those quirks. We should embrace the fact that we are all spectacularly individual. 
So this is 13 with his band Tyrannizer and their track Bloodstain, which I am about to rock out to for the 20th time because I'm a bit of a closet metalhead. Give it a chance and see how it speaks to you.
Underground I'm not sure what's just happened, if I'm honest. All I know is I loved it. <laughs> Coming up next, we have Daniel Christensen, who is about to bless the rains down in Africa, spotlighting some of the work of probably the first person I ever spoke to on the DU, and that is Revolution L. Stay tuned here next on the Poetcast Project. Spotlight with Daniel Christensen. Hello, everyone out there in Poetryland, the DUP and points beyond. I greet you again for this, our second installment of the Poetcast Project, and our spotlight on poetry. A reading and a bit of analysis about an amazing poem by one of Deep Underground's amazing poets. Brought to you by your Daniel Christensen or whatever sobriquet I'm currently citing under my rights. For this second installment, I was immediately drawn to the work of a DU veteran, Revolution Al. I have recently began following his works, and found myself enthralled by the raw, honest and vulnerable series he's been gifting us, about his struggle with the disease lupus. To attempt to tackle this right, I thought it only respectful to learn a bit about lupus, and relay some of that to you, so we can all understand what our friend Alistair is going through. This bit is courtesy of the Lupus Foundation of America. Lupus is a chronic autoimmune disease that can damage any part of the body, skin, joints, and or organs inside the body. Normally our immune system produces proteins called antibodies, that protect the body from foreign substances, like bacteria and viruses. With lupus, your immune system cannot tell the difference between these foreign invaders and your body's healthy tissues and creates auto-antibodies. Auto means self, to attack and destroy healthy tissue. These auto-antibodies cause inflammation, pain, and damage in various parts of the body. Lupus is also a disease of flares, The symptoms worsen and you feel ill, and remissions. The symptoms improve and you feel better. Lupus can be mild or serious, but should always be treated by a doctor. With good medical care, most people with lupus can lead a full life. I'd first like to say a little bit about the man himself. I recently expressed to him the respect I have for the maturity of emotion he displays in his rights, and the maturity of his author's voice. He writes with a calm, measured confidence and comfortable self-awareness. Though I do not know Alistair well, I have come across many of his comments left under the rights of other authors. From them I have glimpsed intelligence, compassion, a keen insight, and willingness to apply his mind and open his heart to others, treating their writing with respect and genuine interest. It is because of this that I wanted to honor him, with this segment, and because of the importance of his message about spreading lupus awareness. Now I'm going to read you the first in his series of rights about lupus, available on the DUP. It is titled SLE by Revolution Al. Systemic. The root entrance, fading, cells of white tissues, catching a blood train, to failure in the joint. Submissive muscles 
give way to the attack of the self-sick immunity. In an idol that leaves winning survivor. Bloodied and met in dark, muddy pools of automatic bacteria. Eating scars in self-war. Guns blasting, bombs falling, trenches filled, flaring tirades of lupus. Welts burn up in breathless anxiety. A depressing sword burns through the chest. Fielding scars in rash, fluttering over epidermal skin, scales, as ulcers fill the tongue. While fatigue stimulates fever, hidden in muscle spasms, and sleepless breaths, ongoing paralysis. Legs sleeping in. Erythematosis. Flares in the unexpected. Waking in the unwarned, and holding death in. A cure non-existent. Yet hidden in the sleep of the depressive world. Of untold pain. Relief found in the mundane words, soaking waterfalls. Lifeless yet dominant. Nothing sexy in the genetic nor the undiagnosed history. At the gates of hell. While the bucket he carries is a book of misdiagnosis and bad prescriptions. An untold story unfolding in scans, blood counts, and plastic urine jars. The first and most obvious word to describe this piece to me is gravitas. Every stanza is a perfect linear voyage through his ordeal. He opens with the inception and progression of the disease in his first and second stanza. He calls it a self-sick immunity, adroitly echoed and expanded in the next stanza, calling it self-war. He carries this metaphor of the war waging within further. Guns blasting, bombs falling, trenches filled with aching tirades. He staggers the name of the disease throughout the piece, opening with systemic, lupus at the center, erythematosis near the close, the three-pointed spine upon which the tale unfolds. He continues to outline the symptoms of his suffering in powerful detail that paints a terrible portrait before the mind's eye. Welts burn up in breathless anxiety, a depressing sword burns through the chest, a rash of epidermal skin scales, an ulcerous tongue, fatigue causing fever, muscle spasms, sleep paralysis. These stanzas leave me in contemplative awe, so succinctly rendered, and yet pregnant with a shadow of such unimaginable suffering. He closes this central section of the poem with a summation of holding death in, the forlorn and sobering stanza, a cure non-existent and a comparison to being at the gates of hell. We have to pause and appreciate his courage and candor, inviting us into this trial he is passing through, outlining the details in such stark, vivid language, knowing those of us who are not dealing with this terrible affliction will be unable to fully appreciate, but giving us this most valuable perspective to consider. Consider ourselves. 
how we can relate to those things that have befallen us. Where we had no power to resist, only endure. Consider those whom are always around us, silently bearing their burdens, accumulating their scars. There is nothing more human than to suffer and find ourselves bewildered. The literal translation of that word being, to be lost in a wilderness, without hope of egress. This reminds me of the central and final line of my book in print, the crux upon which all my writing was predicated. I said, In the beginning there was flame, and the pain of not knowing why we burn. We suffer in this life, but we suffer moreover because we cannot help but ponder its necessity, the ramifications and deeper meaning of our sufferings. Our minds at war with ourselves, much like this terrible affliction in which Alistair and others are enmeshed. Alistair's closing stanza carries this dystopian journey to a haunting close. An untold story unfolding in scans, blood counts, and plastic urine jars. This brings across, to me, a potent emotional charge. Having to endure so much, without an end in sight. Having to go through the inhuman machinery of modern medicine. Lying under x-ray devices poked with needles, blood withdrawn, having to fill plastic jars with urine and hand them off to someone for analysis. Each of us faces our trials in life, because we have no choice in the matter. Our health and our lives are finite. But each of us does get a choice of what to do with our lives and what we are going through. Alistair has chosen to share his struggles, to connect his pain with others, and to bring awareness to a disease that is in desperate need of a cure. All I can do is commend him for it, and hope this segment has done him some small honor. I hope you'll check out Revolution Al on Deep Underground Poetry, and his many wonderful poems. This has been Daniel Christensen with the Poetcast Project, bringing you a spotlight on poetry. Deep Underground Poetry that's more or less it for this edition of the podcast project i hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed putting it together um i've been aimed so missy thank who you who have you been <laughs> i've been everyone i didn't expect to be i've been places i didn't think i would go um it's been an amazing show with a few surprises along the way the depth of talent on the underground never ceases to amaze me Tune in next month where we have a rare legends treat for you all. I don't want to give too much away, but he comes from the land down under. And we're looking forward to that interview very much. <laughs> My thanks today to everyone who took part in this show. Reading us out today is Luna's Child 8 with her truly hypnotic spoken word poem, Have You Ever. Until next time, guys. Bye. 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 Boy. Have you ever looked up at the stars, wondering what might be in store for us? Have you ever looked out at the sea, wondering what great secrets lie beneath?
those majestic waves hoping to reach the sky. They're destined to fall, not meant to fly. The moon above shines its light. It's the only comfort in the darkest night. things will get better for the two of us. So love me deeply. Love yourself. I promise things will get better for the two of us. I, I love, love you. you.